Welcome back to the Keys of the Castle podcast. My name is Adam Fife. This is Andrew Stengler. In this week's podcast, we're going to talk about whatever the heck we want that's on top of our mind because we have done zero preparation for this podcast. Is that right, Andrew? That's pretty much correct, Adam. <laughs> now, what's on top of mind? What is going on in the real estate <laughs> yeah, market? Absolutely. I uh, I might not look it, but I feel like I just got you know and a thirty second fight with uh, probably generous fifteen second fight with Mike Tyson. I am beaten <laughs> and bruised this week um, from. Just put in offers, four offers since I saw you lost. Absolutely. Seven days ago. I, well, you got double me, man. I did two. I, an unconditional offer. Got absolutely smoked by 30K. By 30K. 30K, yeah. yeah. We're not even close. Four offers, four different buyers, four different property types. Actually, across all four property types mm -hmm. in residential. We had a condo, we had a townhouse, we had a semi-detached, uh, and we had a detached. And we got zero. Mm -hmm. How many do you get? Zero. Zero. Okay. Yeah. So we are. Oh, I sold a listing though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Listings are the name of the game, man. That's that's kind of where I'm thinking this year, Adam. Is this uh, this year trying to get in with buyers is going to be tough. Mm -hmm. You had an offer this week with 13. 13. 13 yeah. counter offers against yeah, yours. Absolutely. And we were, so it was listed at 675 in Somerset. Really nice house. Not, it was just under 2,000 square foot walkout basement. Yeah. Pretty nice. Somerset though, let's be honest, it's not the most sought after community in all of Calgary. If you actually look at the crime heat map, Somerset actually has more crime than other communities just because the C train ends in Somerset. So you probably get a lot of loitering. Right. So okay. 675, I figured market value from my own personal perspective was about 695 to 705 that was kind of where i was thinking so we went at 690 unconditional no no conditions on the offer lost it out to the other 12 to uh 730 unconditional yeah 730 or 731 i think it was yeah absolutely it was it was insane friends um you know i had a similar experience in, in uh glau morgan we offered on a, at a renovated uh, townhouse 1979 townhouse mm -hmm. 1400 square feet no comps in the neighborhood, highest sale ever, mm -hmm. 426. It was listed at 450. We went in, same thing, unconditional, 475, um, blown out of the water. Yeah. Oh, it went over five. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It makes you drink. That's, yeah, I mean, it was a rough weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so why is this happening, Adam? I, I mean, from the outsider looking in, it's, it's essentially baseless. I mean, there's very little little inventory but should it be jumping this much right last year around this time uh we saw a little bit um well not a little bit but quite a number of sales um, that individuals are intentionally listing the property low mm -hmm. and so we could look at the property comp still made sense we knew that it was probably going to go over the comps like a little bit um you engage you know days on market things like that and, and then you calculate out this, these prices mm -hmm. But we're setting records and it's not based on anything. It's just the fact that it's listed right now. Dude, that's actually, I love that you said that because with my client that I just worked with in Somerset, I said there is, there's market value and then there's perceived value or emotional value. And right now we're completely on that emotional value scale, like to the extreme. It, yeah, I, it's well, it's the only way to really mark it up. And I mean, when we're breaking records, it's not by like two or three percent. Mm -hmm. In the case of uh, that townhouse that I offered on, they mm -hmm. broke the record by like 30 some percent. Mm -hmm. It was a substantial jump, yeah. almost $150,000 jump. jump from, you know. And it was unconditional months. too, right? It was unconditional. Like that's wild to me. I mean, I, w I, I would be pretty hesitant or 
uh, at least want a client who is very well versed with the condo lifestyle and has a pretty good understanding and probably want to get on the board on the condo if you're going to do an unconditional offer. Like not looking at those condo docs, no idea what's going on with the minutes, don't know how they're making decisions, don't know if there's even special assessments on that property. You got to be a pretty big risk taker to yeah. to set a record, let alone go in unconditional on a, uh, it's a townhouse, but still it's a condo. Yeah, I mean, there's some guidance. I think townhouse is going to be a little bit different of an animal Absolutely. Than, a, than a high-rise condominium also. You know, when Still a risk. Walking through the community, it's clean. You know, Often the, the community garbage receptacles, like mm-hmm. the doors are going to be flung open or the mm-hmm. garbage scattered around. There's nothing to this compound. That's very, right. very well-run compound. Mm-hmm. It just snowed. It looked like they were doing the snow twice a day, which is exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, and being of that age, the condo fees were only three eighty six. That's that's not bad at all. Three eighty six. Yeah. Some awesome inclusions. Obviously, your you know your your regular ones, insurance and reserve fund contributions. Mm-hmm. They have pro- professional management in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, their own garbage removal. Obviously, snow removal that we talked about there. They maintain the trees and they also did the grass. Out nice. Front. Yeah. 386. That's not bad at all. No, it's, yeah. a, it's an excellent deal. It's a very well-run condominium. So I think in that case, it gave me the warm and fuzzies mm-hmm. to make that offer. Um, the only thing that we were concerned about in this particular case was any type of like pet clauses, um, you know, the size of dog or something like that. Mm-hmm. They were wood frame townhouses. So it's something to be privy to. Yeah. Um, but that's, um, yeah, that would have been navigatable in this particular case. I just think that price jump is... Is absurd. I mean, it's, it it's absolutely emotional. Yeah, we were talking earlier in the week that it's it's almost like we have to we have to ignore the comps in a certain regard, and we're not we're no longer offering the price on the house and what it's worth today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're calculating what it's going to be worth in like six to eight months, mm-hmm. and that's where the offers are. It's crazy. When we submitted at four seventy five, we hardly even got a response from the listing agent. Mm-hmm. Like we knew that we weren't even close to the mark. Mm-hmm. And even at four seventy five, it was just kind of pulling a number out. Mm-hmm. I could foresee it jumping from the four fifty ask mm-hmm. uh, to four seventy five within the next couple of months. And I think that was you know safe to be um, caught if mm-hmm. if that went through. 500 i mean there's new builds six months ago in or in around that area uh, that were selling for 500 hmm. yeah man it's uh it's gonna be a wild year in 2024 and we actually spoke about the predictions which is gone live today because all of our podcasts are a week behind <laughs> um but at the end of the day the uh the crazy stuff is that like nobody knows where it's going to stop Right, because if if the interest rates, which we were going to touch on today, are going to fall, which is kind of like a common prediction across the whole country that rates are probably going to fall by a point and a half, give or take, by the end of the year, Calgary is going to continue to see an absolute boom, and I'm pretty sure our net migration is not slowing down, really anytime soon. Not from what we've seen on the yeah. ground. I mean, often we'll bring statistics to these podcasts. But these statistics are usually three to six months behind, mm-hmm. right? And so our, our interactions every week. I mean, this week. The amount of BC and Ontario callers that I've gotten was exceptional. For the recreational side. For the recreational yeah, absolutely. side and the residential side. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it hasn't slowed down. I mean, it really reminds me of 2022 mm-hmm. um, with the amount of people that are calling. So are they a little bit behind? Possibly. But the way that sales are going right now, I don't think so. I think mm-hmm. we got a second boom in us here that we're going to see exceptional price points, especially in the entry level markets. Mm-hmm. But I would say as a buyer looking at those markets... It's really tight out there. And so you're going to be making some uh, aggressive offers. Mm-hmm. There's very little time to consider yes. um, all the options because the property is only on the, on the market for a couple of hours often. 
Yeah, absolutely. Pending, there's there's homes going pending within the first couple hours, like you mentioned, like 24 hours. I'm even starting to stress a little bit about trying to get my clients to at least put something on paper. And I, from my experience, a lot of the buyers that I've been dealing with are more or less first-time home buyers because they still believe that Calgary is cheaper options than like the GTA and other places, which it is. But now with the competitive nature, it makes it a lot more intense for those people to come here and just place the aggressive offers. Because I still feel like there is a thought process that, oh, you come to Calgary, it's relaxed. It's, it's not as crazy as what they say it is. It's not like Toronto, Vancouver, but realistically, we are. So I'm going to throw out some numbers. Now, we're going to chat about it a little bit. And uh, I, I think it's just quite fascinating. So um, if we end up going down this rabbit hole over just chit-chatting about the market, I'll bring these up probably once a month. Um, to kind of showcase what's happened over the previous month so we can watch the progression through the year. But I have recorded apartments, townhouses, semi-detached, and fully detached homes. There is no limitations. It's all property types in all of Calgary. And I'm only looking at sold data. So over the last one month, the last 30 days from today, January 23rd, there was 652 homes out of all property types that sold under ask price. 98 homes sold at ask price and 296 homes sold over ask price and a lot of the ones that i'm looking at in this stat sold over 10 percent from that ask price so if people are interested we can kind of dive into that deeper while like looking at the average days on market for over ask under ask um, maybe we can start looking at which communities are getting all of those over ask offers what style of homes are getting those over ask offers but 296 in the last 30 days is pretty aggressive. I wish we did this last year because then we could have like a real basis to compare off of. But right now, January 2024, almost 300 homes in the last 30 days. We're almost 652 sold under. Crazy, 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 man. It's uh, it's pretty wild. Like we're talking about the Somerset property, right? Like 675 selling for 730. I didn't foresee it. I thought maybe 710, 715, and I'm the advisor, mm -hmm. right? So it's like how now I need to start to reshift and reframe the way that I'm looking at certain product and looking at not only the comparables, but the actual um, features of that home and not thinking about the community maybe being a lesser community, but how much demand is going to be for those features, right? How much are those going to cost? Because Calgary is um turning into this wild wild playground <laughs> it it's it's different it's different than previous markets as mm -hmm. well like we mentioned before that people were a lot of the over asking that we saw last year was people that were inherently pricing their properties low mm -hmm. right versus this year it's pushing they're pricing them appropriately but there's so much demand that it's in fact right you know pushing their prices higher and higher and higher so approaching these how do you feel like you win um, those type of situations in past podcasts here we talked uh, about a clause mm -hmm. um, that I've, I've put in a couple of times into contracts where uh, we essentially our offer uh, would increase mm -hmm. by five thousand escalation above an escalation clause yes it would uh, increase by five thousand dollars against other offers up into a certain cap correct uh, and that worked in previous markets because we had we had a range when we were putting in we knew that it could go as high as this but we were going to start here and even in the competing offers ours would immediately tick up mm -hmm. versus to get your foot in the door right now you don't have the range mm -hmm. in order to be involved and actually have a shot of winning you pretty much got to go to the tippity top and yeah, start absolutely. and that's, that's virtually what we've been doing all week within reason uh, to protect our clients 
not having any evidence to show that they should be going for these prices. Mm -hmm. So it's that emotional component. So mm -hmm. given that that technique wouldn't work, is there another technique that you're looking to implement this week? Because we got this line of buyers <laughs> yeah. now um, that want to get into these mm -hmm. properties. And so you and I are going to have a very busy week here. Yeah. How are you going to approach the next couple of deals? Well, I like the escalation clause. I've never really been a fan of it because I feel like a good listing agent can abuse it. And they can try and drive that up some way, somehow, and just get you to the tippity top anyways. And mm. you would never really have the opportunity to fight them and figure out if they're being honest or not. So you're kind of just taking it off of the basis that people are professional and, and they're actually doing their job properly. Um, in terms of a strategy, I think that's a really good conversation. I feel like it's, it's going to take a little bit more thought than just maybe coming up with something in my head because I, I was pretty shocked. I was definitely uh, shocked by what happened here and looking at even these numbers now of what's going to happen. Um, I, I even w would love to record a YouTube video kind of ranting about the lack of negotiation from listing agents. I understand when you have 13 offers, that's very overwhelming. But when you got two to five offers, you can legitimately negotiate with at least two or three to those buyers and at least give those buyers an opportunity to increase their price and as well even um, capitalize on the opportunity for your seller. So many listing agents. I actually ran my numbers two nights ago. I placed 75 offers in 2023. I think 17 of them were accepted, three investors, 14 buyers, and the remaining nine deals were sellers. And out of those 75 offers, I barely negotiated on top of my initial offer. And I just find that so frustrating because I would imagine buyers would step up even a little bit more if they knew that they were close. But um, that that's like an argument that was probably gonna just fall on deaf ears because I don't think a lot of listing agents will go above and beyond and actually have multiple conversations. They'll just pick one and then the deal's over. Yeah, I mean, I could I could agree and not agree. Yeah, so, totally, man. Um, I think there's there's two ways to skin that. I, I think if you have you know one or two offers at the table, like the mm -hmm. negotiation, as we would normally have the negotiation, push for as high as value as mm -hmm. possible, uh, would likely occur. However, if you have like thirteen offers, I get that. Um, the best negotiation that you can do from a seller's representation standpoint is not engage with anyone. Mm -hmm. I've been on both sides of that where you're so busy, you're yep. getting calls, you have your regular things that. to do in the day. Mm -hmm. It is some guesswork so out of respect for the other realtors, mm -hmm. uh, keeping them involved with what's happening. I think that's frustrating on both sides and trying to keep everyone in the know as much as reasonably possible without passing kind of an ethical uh, boundary. Mm -hmm. But holding off on responding to anyone in the negotiation, it creates guesswork. Um, from the buyer's side, and they'll likely need to do the negotiations upon themselves. Mm -hmm. Like we, I've had listing errors, buyer's agents come to me on my listings where I'm busy in the day and I've just let them sit for four hours because I'm doing showings or I'm doing something else throughout the day. And without saying anything, I've gotten an, an additional counter offer. Yeah. And there was several cases where they were already the highest. Mm -hmm. And so they came back and they really, really wanted that property. Yeah. Right. So it worked. Yeah, it worked out. It was appraised out. It paid cash. So we got great value for the sellers. Mm -hmm. And there was no, there's no back and forth. The more you communicate, the more you're going to disclose about the property. Mm -hmm. um, would it be a fair price given that situation? I would say so, because if they're willing to pay that much, especially being a cash offer in, mm -hmm. in a lot of those cases, then obviously it's worth it to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, um, I actually got my our, our broker to send me the multiple offers, kind of like a rule set for the 
RECA, which is the Real Estate Council of Alberta. Um, I actually didn't really know this. I just thought it was kind of a, a common thing, but you don't actually need to disclose that there, it's in a multiple offer situation. You, If your seller doesn't want to disclose that, you don't have to disclose that. And it even says that fairness, uh, we do not have the duty of fairness to each other during the buying and selling process when it's in a multiple offer situation, which I think is pretty bold statement of what is fair, right? Mm -hmm. There's no there's no such thing as fairness, including uh, according to the Real Estate Council of Alberta. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that frustrate me about the industry. Um, I think a lack of communication is one of them. But how do you compete? I just ran uh, a very quick uh, counting of the first forty of the most aggressive offers in the last thirty days out of the two hundred ninety six, and out of the forty, eighteen of them were unconditional, right? So it's like how do you even compete? with an, another unconditional offer. Mm -hmm. Like it's almost impossible at that point. Like you have to be able to greatly increase your price point if you have conditions. And unfortunately it's it sucks because my job is to try to protect my clients the best way that I can. But when you're in this type of market and you really like the property, your protections are kind of out the window if you really want that thing. Yeah, it, it leaves the option, I suppose, to wait. But the way prices are going, you wait with less mm -hmm of a competitive environment potentially in the summer and the spring. I I don't view that happening this year as I between the major banks and the mortgage brokers that we've spoken to, it sounds like either the meeting in March, most likely that's when most brokerages and banks are calling for it. Really? March is going to be the interest uh, rate reduction, mm -hmm. if not April. And I'd say April would actually be more impactful in the market because in Calgary, especially in the summer months, people go on vacation, the kids are out of school, we have Calgary Stampede, um, often vacation homes uh, are occupied out of, out, of the, uh, out of the city. So usually we have a little bit of a lull in the summer. Mm -hmm. If interest rates reduce, opening up that market to a greater price point, and some of the brokers that I've spoken to are confident that we're actually gonna see an entire point an entire percentage point in either March or April, mm -hmm. that opens that entry-level market up to a much higher price point. Mm -hmm. then where will those, so it'd be less competitive, but the prices will evidently be higher. And so it, it'll be what we spoke about last podcast, that affordability will be very short-lived, mm -hmm. um, I think, with these price reductions. Most people are going to be exploring variable rates. The affordability might come later in the year if rates continue to reduce. Mm -hmm. uh, but as far as getting yourself into a property, it's either you compete right now and you predict that it's going to go um, a particular direction, possibly higher than we predicted last yeah. uh, last podcast, uh, or you wait for a less competitive nature, but just purchase the pro property at a higher price. And I mean, it really depends on your personal situation because at the end of the day, if you're renting, right, and you're looking at getting into the market, why wait another year and spend all that money on rent? depending on what your your mindset is of you know like having an asset and building equity and whatnot so i think there's a lot of different scenarios because there's a lot of people that come here and they rent and like the the whole net migration thing is through the roof we have less than two percent vacancy right now in calgary we're not building homes fast enough in my personal opinion so i think we're we're on at least a two-year tear two more year tear but with that being said i would actually um, disagree with you i think in my personal reflection of my research, I would imagine March 6th and April 10th and January 24th, kind of went backwards there, are all going to see 
um, no rate movement. And the reason I think that is because inflation is still around 3637. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine the Bank of Canada wants to see that tip down into the twos. So I would imagine in June 5th, we'll probably see the first rate cut of maybe 0.25 or 0.5. And then July, September, October, we'll probably see 0.25s, 0.5s, equaling out to about a point, point and a half. More conservative approach. A little bit more, yeah. But I just think because of the inflation, right? Like you're adding in all of these like different taxes from the federal level and all of like the rents are increasing greatly. The groceries are increasing. We have like a supply issue or a, a logistical issue in Canada. So, I mean, there's, there's some things that really aren't benefiting us currently. So we'll see what happens. I mean, we've got an election, was it this year or next year? And so, I mean, we'll see what the government does to try and buy votes. <laughs> Well, I mean, the, um, the Bank of Canada is supposed to be secular from the uh, wow, from the executive branch, of <laughs> federal government. Absolutely, <clears throat> properly uh. speaking. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of my conservative approach here. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because I've got a couple different things I think here are interesting about the inflation, but maybe we'll stick on this topic for now. Yeah, I, I, I view interest rates dropping before that. Yeah. In all honesty, okay. I, I think that because interest rates impact more than just buyers. Absolutely. Uh, and businesses and very much it impacts businesses mm-hmm. and very much impacts builders and, and foreign investments. There's a lot foreign investments. Um, Canadian dollar. I think, yeah, like we, we would lose likely foreign investment and lending mm-hmm. a little bit in Canada. Um, but really what we need is from the construction Point of things, but I, I think I'm, I'm seeing such a strain on the middle class Canadian mm-hmm. uh, household right now because of these interest rates, and less so because of inflation. And I don't know if that's an economic opinion, mm-hmm. but maybe it's a it's a more in the realm of public opinion that mm-hmm. I'm seeing less of an inflationary conversation across various media branches that I follow throughout the day and news and, and whatnot. And I'm seeing more of a conversation around not if, but when the interest rate will reduce and what impact that'll have on Absolutely. Canadians. We have a huge amount of mortgage renewals in the middle of this year. And I'm seeing that major banks uh, aren't stockpiling cash mm-hmm. to handle foreclosures if necessary. Um, I'm seeing uh, the five-year bond yield reduce. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing, so there, there's a ton of indicators that I think that a huge reduction is, is predicted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's where I, my standpoint is rather that's than fine. a more conservative approach. Now, it's not the first time that I've disagreed with the direction of the Bank of Canada, but I don't think it's 3.6%. Given that there's current argument, I mean, I was just watching an article um, on Bloomberg this morning. However, I don't know what word I'm looking. However credible that, that argument was, because it was somewhat opinion-based that a good amount of the inflation at the moment is, is due to energy prices Mm-hmm. And that may have something to do with the uh, the most recent tax that went in on those particular sectors that was then relayed to consumers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, realistically, how high is it against the taxation base? Mm-hmm. Um, and how much are people struggling? Mm-hmm. And then what are the institutions reacting to that struggling nature? Uh, I, I think it's going to be more dramatic than 0.25. And I think it's certainly going to be earlier than June just based on those Interesting. pieces of information yeah. yeah i think that's a rabbit hole that i uh that we should go down on one podcast just to figure out what exactly like obviously you've you've shared your thoughts on like who's affected by the interest rates and whatnot i think it'd be really cool even for our viewers and listeners to figure out okay like 
maybe they don't know and I don't fully understand like what what exactly are the effects of a higher interest rate. Uh, maybe looking at the past, you know, three years of who really got nailed hard and who's struggling and how negative uh, or sorry, how a reduced interest rate is going to better off. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd be the first one to say that if you're if you're interested in the effects of the higher interest rate, um, this podcast may not be the best resource for you. Well, fair if you yeah. if you're looking for uh, because it, yeah, I, I think coming from a point of view that a lot of our job is reactionary. This, I mean, that's we, super valid. We, depending on the client that we deal with, right? Mm-hmm. And so, if we're dealing with builders, investors, or developers, then we're looking several years into the future and extrapolating information for them. Mm-hmm. But for the average consumer, we really only have the ability to look in six month windows. Mm-hmm. And so, while it's a limitation, it's also a strength. Um, and so, we aren't necessarily in control of these factors. Mm-hmm. I think we can make um, assumptions and extrapolations on what's happened in the past as to what will happen if interest rates reduce or reduce mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then gather this general information. But, you know, neither one of us are economists. No, sure. fair enough. Um, but I, the nice thing of that with this podcast is it will allow us the ability to at least get the basis down, right? The bare bones and have these conversations because even just just not even two minutes ago where we said you think that rates are going to drop in March and I think they're going to drop in June. It'll be interesting to see who who actually hit the nail on the head, right? Oh, 20 bucks on March right now. 20 bucks? All right. <laughs> Sweet. Make it 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, Just kidding. Um, awesome. Yeah, well, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty neat. So basis uh, are kind of the moral of this podcast is uh, <laughs> I had no idea this was coming this fast. I knew that 24 was going to be a hot year. I knew it. Uh, I called it out two, three months ago. But I didn't expect it to hit off with such a bang as it has in the first two weeks of this. Because I would have I would have completely changed my not my pitch, but like my recommendations for buyers who have reached out to me. And even for sellers now as well. Um, you know, if you are able to, does it make more sense to list it kind of in these winter months or does it make sense to list it in the in the spring months? And the market seems to be moving pretty quick right now. I would say if you could do it, do it soon. I mean, the market's changed dramatically in the mm-hmm. last, I'd say, 10 days. So are we also seeing a little bit of a blip or are we seeing something that's going to be consistent all the way through 2024? Consistent. I'm calling it. I, I tend to agree with yeah. you. Yeah. In, in past years, in recent years, uh, with the exception, I think, of last year, just because of these major rate increases mm-hmm. so quickly, years prior to that, when, when, when it sets the tone this early in January... Um, we're we're in for quite a wild ride. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, I've done um, that I've been pretty happy with what I've accomplished in my own career is just looking at the numbers just for Calgary specifically and looking at the data. I mean, inventory in December, which is not the best month to really look at because it's typically a slower month. We only had 2,100 units left over at the end of the month. We had 1,300 sales and only 1,200 new listings. So the sales outpaced the listings. And our inventory is historically pretty freaking low at 2,100 units. So, I mean, if if the new listings don't keep up and the, and the migration and the sales and the, and the, um, uh, the interest rates continue to fall, we're going to be in for a wild roller coaster because I recorded a video probably two years ago at this point talking about how many people held off on listing their house between 2016 and 18. They bought in 14. 
15, 16, 17, 18, 19 was all depressed years in Calgary. 2020, we started to take off. 2021, people are like, oh, okay, this is a good market. Finally, we can get rid of our product. 2022, a lot of people that kind of held off and thinking that it would go. Um, people were unsure of how the market was going to reciprocate to the higher interest rates. So they end up offloading a lot of their products saying, okay, well, this is probably the time to do it because the higher interest rates might dampen this market. So you had a dump in 2021, you had a dump in 2022, 2023 was a pretty wild year. We did see an uptick in new listings in condos, but single family homes and semi-detached didn't really keep up. So the move up buyer is, is no longer a thing anymore with these higher interest rates. Now we are in this position where you know, obviously people have to sell at some point or another. It's pretty obvious that things happen in the big city, but I don't really feel like there's a lot of people left over from those depressed months. So all of these new listings are, it's going to be fascinating to see. And our new construction isn't keeping up to a pace that is going to offset that. Well, mutually, uh, new construction are price leaders in most markets. For sure. Uh, as they typically should be, but you know, the resale, the used stuff is what's going to be scooped out the fast mm -hmm. fastest. And then, uh, builders are looking that they need to sell at a current price in order to make a profit. Correct. And they have to leave the price to the neighborhood often in order to do that. Right. So the price is always kind of chasing this new construction, mm -hmm. meaning that builders are going to wind down. It's not, it's not upside down. Like we saw in 2021, 2022, where building, uh, builders were cheaper. Um, than some resale property. Mm -hmm. um, and so with them, they're going to slow down construction even more, meaning less and less inventory uh, going towards the market. Absolutely. I mean, I've even seen it where the resale products are more expensive, if not more expensive, very close to new construction product mm. in some areas, which is pretty crazy just because the demand is so hot for resale. One area to look at new construction, uh, now that we're talking about that, uh, I think the only area that I've seen that it's upside down where new construction is actually underpricing resale mm -hmm. is Cochrane. Mm. Um, Heritage Hills and Heartland specifically. Yeah. A uh, little bit in Sunset. Mm -hmm. You see those occasionally pop up. So, you know, certainly talk to your uh, your new housing reps up there. Mm -hmm. um, areas on the southern side of the, the city, Precedence, River Song, stuff like that, they are outpricing. So new builds are outpricing resale. Fireside, I don't think there's much to develop up there, mm -hmm. uh, but Fireside is just absolutely on fire at the moment. Uh, so great name for that. Community. Yeah, he's what a pun. <laughs> yeah, what a pun. Uh, I don't think that was a pun. <laughs> um, um, anyway, so that's that's the only area that I've seen it. Uh, okay, pretty much citywide. That's only in detached, so very little uh, townhouse construction in those areas. But if there is. Um, it usually gets swept up pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I've seen some really, really high price townhouses, especially this week. Oh, I Calgary. know. It's insane. There was one set of townhouses in Capitol, not Capitol Hill. No, the other side. doesn't matter the community. 1.4. Mm -hmm. 1.4 for like 1,800 square feet. Wow. That's wild. Man, I called it out last week. I, I'm pretty confident if an investor's got cash and, and they're into the flipping business, if you could find a pretty rundown of a uh, townhouse in a good neighborhood that is it with a good condo corporation, you're going to do pretty well in 2024. If you can afford to front that cash for a few months and flip that, I've seen already a few and I would, I would like to see more. Even, even those are competitive though. I mean, absolutely. But there, there was a couple of years ago, we were looking at some really beat up houses and we were thinking, okay, who's going to pick up this, stuff, mm -hmm. right? Like who's going to put in all this work to bring them back. And now, you know, for the last couple of months, that's the only stuff that's been left on the market mm -hmm. and people are buying them. People mm -hmm. are at, going over asking yeah. on them, right? So that's fair enough. I think that area is already saturated. 
there's just so little choice in and around that price range right now. Yeah, that's. Um, so I think you can get in and still do pretty well, but you you know it's still going to be competitive. You're not going to be the only person at the table. Absolutely, yeah. that's where uncon unconditional offers and townhouses make the biggest difference. So um, pretty good chat, man. I think that was pretty good. I think uh, I kind of like where this was going. Maybe that maybe we can do like a once a month chit chat about what's happening in the market rather than just trying to stick on specific topics for like the Canadian overview. I don't know. But uh, I think that was a pretty good conversation. Yeah. Let us know what you think. If you enjoy this, then we'll, we'll stick to it once a month here. We awesome. appreciate you uh, coming to watch us once again. I'm Andrew Sailor. This is Adam Fife. Adam's phone number is... <laughs> 911. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Thanks for watching. We'll catch you in the next one.